Welcome to episode 23 of the Racing Insiders podcast. I am really excited to bring you this particular episode because it's really all about what I wanted this podcast to be. And it's about telling stories and uh, really, you know, telling some of the behind the scenes things that go on in racing. And this week, I got to have a special guest on the show. And that is my dad, Dick Schiltz. So really look forward to seeing what your reactions are to this episode. And, you know, be sure to leave us a review over in iTunes. We're really ramping up the podcast and putting out some more episodes. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you on the other side of the intro. Hey there, I'm Kate Dillon and I grew up in racing. I'm the CEO and founder of CrateInsider.com and I'm also the creator of WinningMotorsportsMarketing.com. I felt something was missing in motorsports because one of my favorite things about racing is the stories we tell off the track. And that's what I'm here to bring to you. Welcome to the Racing Insiders Podcast, the show that takes you behind the scenes. We share stories, tech tips, and have some laughs along the way. So let's drop that green flag and get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sunday. Happy Sunday, everybody, and a special happy Father's Day. Um, We have a special guest today, Steve. We do. I think it's your daddy. It's my daddy. My daddy's going to join us as a special guest for sure. So uh, we've got a couple of things prepared. And... uh, Oh, are we getting a little notification that yeah, we're live right now? Yeah, there's a notification that you're live now. So. <laughs> well, good. You must be a little, fan of the show. A little bit early today. You must be a fan of the show. I may be. Yeah. So. I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be talking. Of course, you can drop in any of your questions that you have, and we will be doing answering some tech questions. Yep. But um, I think we should just go ahead and introduce my dad, though. You can. Yeah. So, Dad, come on over. This is my dad, Dick Schiltz. He is one who inspired me to be involved in this whole racing thing. So... Welcome, welcome, Dick Schultz. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Everybody's <laughs> clapping and, and and stuff here. So we'll have to sit pretty close. It's weird, and yep. Dad has never been on a. You said you've never been on a live show, Dad. No, I've never. This first time on TV stuff, you know. Look at that. All right, so we're gonna move our camera back here, and so we can <laughs> so we can see everybody. And Steve, if you could get in frame, that would really be lovely. So that'd I'm be great. In frameish. Now, before the show today, Steve and I had an Got idea this week. That because uh, we always like to have like a little bit of a theme, and normally it's been coronavirus and and NASCAR things, but we don't really want to give that any more screen time. So especially NASCAR. Yeah, there's that. So we're just gonna like not talk about them, but instead we decided that independently, Steve and I have each written down the top five stupidest rules that we've run across in uh, crate racing. <laughs> so <laughs> figure, yeah. Dad, you can weigh in on some of these too and see what you think. So um, you want to go from top to five? Well, no, let, let's, let, let's make this clear. We did this independently, so I have no clue what her... We're going to go from five to one? Correct, Is yes. what we agreed yep. upon, but uh-huh. I have no clue what your shit is and you have no clue what mine is. Right, so, so there's so there's that. Yeah. So do you want to first. I will, ladies first, I'll let you go first. Okay. All right. Well, mine's this one's a little. Now, this, this is the top five stupidest rules in crate racing. Well, actually, I'm going to kick it off with number five being lack of fire suppression rules. Because if there is one thing I learned from you, Dad, here's the crazy thing: I sell fire suppression, and it took me a while to get there. And the reason why is I thought it was something that everybody had. You know, you were always, always had a fire extinguisher in your car when I was growing up as a kid because, well, fire suppression didn't exist back then, but you always had a way of fighting a fire in your car. So I just thought, well, this is what all racers do. And as I've discovered, not all racers do. So my number five is the lack of 
fire suppression rules, and I think that they should be mandatory in... in uh, I think that's a good one. I think they should be mandatory. Did you ever catch on fire? No, I actually never have, but uh, always had that thought in my mind. That would be the worst thing that I think I've ever... Exactly. ...ever would have happened to you. I've yep. heard a lot of a lot of horror stories about it, and that's the last thing I want to do is get burned. And, yep. and thinking back to fire extinguishers that we had in our cars back then, Probably most of them were non-functional. Anyway. <laughs> <Right. laughs> it was a dangerous life back then, and I guess we didn't realize it, and that's just the way it was. Because you like raced back in the in the uh, well, you've raced forever. <clears throat> well, I, I I'm, no, I'm not calling you old or anything. Well, I'm kind of on and off. I started in <laughs> started in like '71, I think it was, and I raced till about '74, and then <clears throat> in Minnesota, and then I moved to Iowa in '74. Started working for Ed Sanger. <clears throat> and built the cars for him from 74 to, I guess, 78, <clears throat> something like that. And he had uh, four cars back then with <clears throat> and, and Sanger Drove and uh, Kurt Hansen, Verlin Akers, Stan Stover, Red Drolly. And I maintained mostly all the cars all the time. We built the cars and maintained them, and that's kind of where I got on my background. And, and then... I started racing myself again, and I actually started building a tube frame car in 1976 with the help of Dick Anderson from Carrera Shocks, came up and got really interested in the project. And So you beat CJ to the punch. <clears throat> Pretty much so, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I just, I actually, I saw a Holman Moody car way back when that had a strut rod front end, and the first car I built was a 65 Ford strut rod car. And <clears throat> Dick Anderson saw the car, <clears throat> what I was starting with and we could hear Tuna Speedway in the background on a Sunday night and Dick Anderson and I were working on the car in the back room and we could hear the races going on and I mean that's just where it started from and, and I just got intrigued about building stuff I'd never really wanted never really thought about being a good driver or anything but <clears throat> anyway that's just how it turned out and so and started building tube frame cars and back then, at the time, Sanger was building everything with the Camaro snout cars, and I always had the... I'm all kind of a Ford guy, I guess, so... Kind of, kind of, kind of a Ford guy. Well, so anyway... Big-time Ford guy. So I had to keep with the Ford products, so that's where the 65 Ford front-end stuff come from. And Which is what all modern dirt late models are based on. Pretty much looks to, pretty much the same as what it built back in 1975. Exactly. You know, 76. So that's just... That's kind of my background at it. <clears throat> I always like to build things, and that's just kind of what I did. That's awesome. Totally awesome. <clears throat> so. Yeah, you do more than just build things. You're a master fabricator. Yeah, he's you like pretty much a, trust me, out I've of seen nothing. Him. And I, I learned that from stuff. you. I just do it differently. So, All right, so you know, your my number, number five. five. Uh, wait, oh, shit, I got these backwards. Oh, you're going to have them in separate <laughs> it's my, cards. It's, it's my car. I had, to, I had to do cards. Because okay. I would forget what they were. Well, I have mine, but I put them all on one card. All right. Well, the number five stupidest rule in dirt, well, in late model racing, whether it's asphalt or dirt, is a weight penalty for single shifter transmissions. Yeah. Any series that has a weight penalty for a single shifter transmission has no idea how transmissions work. In other words, they're trying to ban the BERT, second generation BERT, even though the two shifter Falcon is a much better transmission. But. 
you know, you have to carry a weight penalty for a uh, well, and let me ask single you this. shifter rather than a dual shifter. Well, don't we normally find that with the 602 classes versus the 604 classes? Yeah, 604s, you never see that. 602 classes, well, like I said, it's it's you, you see it in some rules, and it's, to me, the fifth stupidest rule in... Well, and, and, and I, if I could follow up on that, because I think what's the really unfortunate piece of that is that we have a lot of the guys that are in 602s that are trying to work their way up to a 604. So wouldn't it be nice to, I mean, like a transmission is one of those things that could carry with you, carry carry you forward in that next division. Well, there's... There, it's it's going to hold you back. There, there's that, and you run into the situation where, you know, a lot of guys running 602s are buying old super late models to put 602s in, and what do they come with? A single-shifter mm -hmm. transmission. So to have to go out and buy a whole new transmission to save 50 pounds is utterly ridiculous. Okay. So that's my number five. All right. So our number four. Okay. This is actually, this one is also more universal. And my number four is rules that are copied and pasted year to year with no thought going into why they're there in the first place and if they're still relevant. I, I really think, I mean, you've got rule books. We're not talking about a NASCAR rule book that's you know about two inches thick. I'm talking about your standard rules, which yeah. are you know less than, fewer than three 10 pages. pages, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it's too much to ask to review. to call us. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Where it's like in every dirt lay model rule book, where it's like rule number one: everything must remain as comes from GM stock. You know yeah. that kind of crap. It makes no sense because nothing does and. Nothing can be well, because... And then nobody can tell you why it's there in the first place. Right. So, yeah, exactly. I, so I think it, it doesn't hurt to... Um, Review your rules. Yeah. Yeah, if there's, if there's going to be a rule. I agree. So that's my number you'd four. Have, you'd have to have kind of a bias, somebody that's unbiased on that thing, because I learned a long time ago, racers cannot make their own rules. Oh, God. Thank you. That is a great <laughs> point. That is a great point. I mean, I've, I've seen that before. and I mean, uh, for instance, a long time ago, <clears throat> one guy had a back when they really didn't have a tire rule, McCreary came out with a, a humper tire. It was a 104-inch tire. <laughs> so he got a hold. They were hard to get. He got a hold of one, <clears throat> and it was the end of the year. It was a big race, and he was basically a ninth or 10th place car. So anyway, he got a hold of the tire. There was only two cars there with this big tires on. He ran second. So they had a rules meeting at the end of the year, and he <clears throat> said that... Uh, this is the greatest thing there was. Well, the only problem is we were on $75 tires at the time, and the humpers were 140 I believe. <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, he kind of got everybody together, and we need to get the humpers in to be such a great deal. So what happened is the next year, the whole field has got humpers on. Now he's a 10th place car again, and the problem <laughs> is, Instead of paying seventy dollars for tire, he's paying one hundred forty. <laughs> right. So I mean, it's just, that's that's the thinking that a lot of racers yeah, have. They sure. don't think of the future, what's going to happen. Sure. And I saw that, and I I <clears throat> emphasized that rule over the years, and that's just kind of what happens. It's to like it. cutting off your nose to spite your face, or shooting yourself in the so. foot. Yeah. You know, and I have a feeling that somewhere in the top three, between the two top threes here, that we're going to be talking about some rules that were made in panic, based on racers having meltdowns and that they really are going to be racer-led rules that make no sense. More than likely. Yeah, so. so yeah. More than likely. Oh, yeah, that gets to my number three. Oh, and I, I got to do my number four. Oh, your number four. Yeah, what's yeah my number four is 
any series that has a rule that says you can only run pump gas or or you pump gas or E85 only. Dang it! Um, that is my number one. Well, hush. Don't give it away. <laughs> so number four is like pump gas or E85 only, or the other rule that goes along with this is pump gas or 110 only. And I've actually seen series that like in order to test your fuel, they use like a styrofoam cup and it's got to melt through the styrofoam cup in a certain amount of time, <laughs> which is the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my entire life because I can add one chemical to that and make it not melt through the styrofoam cup, which means it's, uh, I don't know, or make it melt through faster or I can take different fuels and I mean, it's just stupid. Anyways, ignorance is number four, which is going to be pump gas or 85 or pump gas or 110 only. Because unless you're sending shit to a lab, it's unenforceable. Well, I think it's unenforceable. But what I'm really more concerned about, because, you know, I'm the kinder, gentler side of this, <laughs> is... No. <laughs> no. I know. I'm kind of a badass, but I'm nice sometimes. Um, but the, the problem I have with pump gas is that the inconsistency. I mean, if, if, this, if the truck, the fuel delivery truck left the, the place five minutes ago and it's just kicked up all of the sludge from the bottom of that tank. I mean, pump gas is not going to be consistent week to week, which means you can never set up your carburetor. The, really the key to crate engines today. Did you want to save this speech for your number one? No, no, no. I'm just okay. gonna, we're just going to say that that was my number one right. was pump gas only being a, because, you know, I want racers to go to the track and be able to race and be successful and not be dinking around with their carburetors all night. Right. And I think that's something that Depending is, on whether you've got 5% ethanol content or 10% or 15% or whatever the whatever. gas station puts it at the time with 4% water or 2% water or 1% water or whatever it ends up Whatever. Being. I understand the <laughs> concept behind the rule that what the series is trying to do is say, hey, we know that pump gas is only $3 a gallon and you know your your oxygenated fuels are 10 or $12 a gallon or whatever. Right. I understand what, they're, what the concept is of what they're trying to do, but it is, it's just not a way to get it done. Yeah, so, so it's pretty stupid. It is. It is. That's why it's my well, stupid list. That was my stupid number. Count where it uh, comes from. I mean, what I pump out, I've got a pump. Exactly. It's a pump, right? <laughs> Methanol can be pumped out of a fifty-five gallon. I mean, it is pump gas because you're yeah. pumping. Well, that's kind of a weird thing. You're pumping Usually it while you're doing me it. Doing um, yeah. doing uh, gestures. All right, number three, for you. Okay, um, my number three is when they say that all of the accessories need to be run on the front, which means if you run power steering on the back, that you have, um, you have to add weight. Right. I think that's, I think that's dumb because there again, like you talked about where you buy the super late models, it's going to be set up with that bell housing to run power steering Everything on the back. back yep. And, and what, and I've talked to both Jones and I've talked to KRC and there's no fundamental performance advantage to or cost difference or cost difference between running them separately, but especially in a dirt lay model. And, yep. and we could be talking about modifieds, but mostly yeah. we, we deal with a lot of dirt lay models. Yeah, I'm here. primarily dirt lay models. Yeah. Uh, with that, it's so to me, that's a stupid rule. I agree. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Well, another thing with that, too, a lot of this stuff transformed from the NASCAR stuff. And the NASCAR stuff, a lot of that stuff was available and it's not anymore. No. You can't get anything from NASCAR that works in a dirt car. It's just not there. You used to be able, so, to, be able to buy like a lot of cheap stuff that would work. Yeah, I mean, you could get power steering pumps, things yep. like that. And it was always reasonable, you know? Exactly. But <clears throat> I'm going to move that back just a little bit more. 
Yeah, we probably need to move it down. And somebody's saying that they lost the feed, so, but that was like four minutes ago, or how are you gonna, I'm just wondering if that phone's heating up, so. Uh, maybe you might need to turn your little fan thing on there, kid. Well, and I might need to tip this down a little bit, too, so it's, so our heads aren't, like, cut off there, so. Cut off. Yeah, we'll see. People, just let us know if what we got, if this is too noisy for you. We always struggle with the. Just turn it down low, I guess. It's hot as shit out today, so. It always is when we're doing a show in well, the summertime. Of course. That's what happens. Okay. So hopefully we're still, yeah, it says we're still live. So hopefully we're. All right. Are. So my number three. Your number three. Is that three. where we're at? Yes. We're not my number, number three, three is any series that has a no seal rule on crate engines. Primarily, you'll find this in asphalt, which is where you also find rampant cheating, is in asphalt. Because on average, we cam doctor probably three different series that are close to us within two hours. And every year, we catch anywhere from four to five cams that are wrong because nobody's held responsible because there is no seal rule. So, that would have been my number two. Oh, well, I'm just like robbing you. And, uh, no, that's fine. So... In fact, it's it's interesting because I recently had a discussion with somebody who's trying to start a new racing series, and they were telling me all about how these are GM-sealed engines, and he can tech them, and blah, 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 and he was asking me for some free stuff, and I just said, no, I am not going to support a series that I think has stupid rules. Well, and he like tried that. to teach me like I'm an idiot because he's got all this experience and I said, oh, I'm sorry, but I see too many rule packages and you're setting yourself up for failure. From what I've seen, that dude's come up with like 12 different ideas that are all suck and are all stupid and like from, I, I don't know. Anyway, I said no. Yeah. I said no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my number three. The no seal rule. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything left because you took all the rest of mine. <laughs> well, you can, like, touch on them again. So, my number three was everything on the front. Okay, number two was GM sealed only. Yeah. And, of course, my top one for stupid rules was pump gas only. All right, so I still got two and one left. And then I got, like, an assload of honorable mentions. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. He actually sat down, you guys. I, I took, like, 30, uh, like, th I don't know. I was going to say 30 seconds. But I took about three minutes to write mine down. I took four and a half. Yeah, I don't know. You had a whole page. And then you, yeah, like, it was like, then four you and half like minutes. cross them off and... It was a whole process. All right, so my number two is a weight penalty for a rebuilt engine. Yeah. So I understand the concept of this, sort of, but the funny thing is that anybody that, any series that gives a weight penalty for a rebuilt engine, you know what, the, you know what that does? It drives business to me because that tells the consumer that they need to have a rebuilt engine and it's worth taking the weight penalty for so that's one concept of it but here's the here's the issue that i have with it and it's the same this is right up there with the gm sealed only rule so if you have a series that says gm seals only and you can't have rebuilt engines what do you do when you suspect someone of cheating what do you do and if you do turn this into a situation where you're going to say hey well you can protest that racer and we'll do a teardown well then how do you put it back together right. if you don't have a seal rule in place you can't, and if you're gonna have Bubba Joe down the street throw some bolts in it and call that good, whoever's engine that is is not legal in any other series. Well, I and mean, then they're then they're stuck. The, and I the, think the, stuck. The, the idea behind this is the fact that you know everybody who's a certified GM or a certified rebuilder for series has a GM spec manual. We all go by that spec manual. Um, 
So for a series to say that that spec manual is wrong because you get a performance advantage for rebuilding an engine is completely wrong from a series standpoint. I have no idea where they come up with this shit. Well, it's because... And it's no, completely ignorant. It's because it's 10th place guys com complaining because the guy that wins happens to have one of your well, engines. That's, that's what happens. That's what happens. But anyways... Thank you for doing that. I think it's stupid, but thank you for doing that because it drives business my way. So keep <laughs> make more of those rules. That's no. okay, we're awesome. <laughs> All right. All right what's, so, what's your top one? My number one: no engine rebuilds. Oh yeah. Well, which that's is my that's my number one because you see how well that worked for IMCA. Yeah. Uh, you've seen how well that works for other series that have tried no engine rebuilds. Um, you see how well it worked for the whole 525 deal. It basically drove that engine program into the ground until we had series that started allowing to, allowing us to do that and we had you know gm you know improving the uh engines well you know l let me uh riff on that one for a second though so you're really seeing that as the engine builder uh piece of that but my viewpoint on what the problem is with the no engine rebuilds as the person who runs crate insider is that so instance 525s there's no engine rebuilds there haven't been forever and i want to be crate insider but when i want to ask series yeah. but i want to ask tech questions if i want to call an engine builder and ask a about a 525 really i couldn't get the answers because there's nothing in it there wasn't anything in it for you so you don't care which oil's the best you don't care which which spark plugs are the best so basically there's when you take out when you say no engine rebuilds it really kills the whole support network that could help buoy that up which is what i said you know use imca as a lesson now they allow shit to get rebuilt so there yeah, you go it's not super because official. because they had to yeah and it's not super official because it's under the table because they still want to i, I don't know, know. Anyways, I don't anyways, know. IMCA sucks. Well, so that, right. i don't think so. imca sucks i'm just putting it right. out there publicly. so my honorable mentions okay all right, because these did not make my top five, but they would have been, you know, in the top. So, honorable mentions. RPM rule. Oh, God. That one's dumb, especially when you're going to do it as low as, as like, 6,400 chip for a, for a 604. Correct. Honorable mention. Mandated HEI distributor. Okay, you've said... Which does not belong in anything other than a 1968 Chevy pickup truck. What's your... What's your... Okay, Dad, yeah, what's your thought on an HEI I know you probably... <laughs> Steve is exactly right here. <laughs> MS stuff, MSD stuff and that kind of thing that have been out there for a long time. Crane, all that stuff is good and reliability is good. And Why screw with the stuff that was, you know, light years ago? Exactly. <laughs> uh, carburetor Venturi rules. Okay. It's self-governing, self-limiting. Uh, next one, uh, banning the equalizer carburetor or the Super Bowl carburetor from your series. To me, that's pretty stupid. I understand why they may do it for cost, but if you look at it from a maintenance versus a guy that doesn't know what the hell he's doing standpoint, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, they can buy this stuff, bolt it on, go race, and it eliminates 99.9% .9 of every carburetor problem ever known to man, and they'll be consistent every time they go race. Well, and I'd like to add to that is that any time we're going to make any panic rules, I, I don't think it's wise. No. Um, and, and, that's, and I think that's a big problem is, oh, my God, it's new. If it's new, we don't want to do it because yeah. we want to control the cost of wasting. And, oh, my God, we can't. We cannot have anything new. Exactly. And people freak out. All right. Uh, and I've actually, I, I actually know of a few tracks up in 
where is it like Indiana Kentucky area mandating a four blade fan why because you have to run a four blade fan I, I, I don't know why but it's it's a rule so this is like one of the stupidest rules honorable mentions was <clears throat> um, banning certain headers but allowing expensive carburetors so oh, yeah. there's a couple series out there that I know of where they banned headers like outright banned them um, because they're you know expensive and I'm going to say expensive, meaning you know, nine or nine hundred to twelve hundred dollar range. But you can run a fourteen hundred and fifty dollar carburetor in your car. You just can't run a good header. Well, and not only that, the, the really so, the problem with that, I know that situation, and the really stupid thing is that they just screwed themselves out of sponsorship. Well, too. so like cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. And making a rule that makes no sense because you know you can still spend. There's no carburetor rule. You can spend four grand on a carburetor if you need to, yeah. but you can't spend X amount of money on a, on a header. And then my last honorable mention, anything IMCA comes up with. Oh, I. Booyah. Okay, now, <laughs> all right. I, I know that you have a contentious relationship with IMCA, but at the same time, I'm gonna say at least they had structure and it's not the cluster that we've seen with some series where you know, people don't run it as a business. If you at least it's been run like a business. If you want something to be legal in IMCA, give them money. I know. Well, that's, that's <laughs> that not... And it's not even that. It's yeah. not even that. That's how that works out. Because look at your um, anti-reversion muffler that you guys designed, produced by Dynatech. Dynatech is owned by Speedway Motors. Mm -hmm. Speedway Motors is the major title sponsor of IMCA and still couldn't get them approved yeah, because the tech man just decided... Nobody, no, 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 nobody pushed that issue. If they had pushed the issue, it would have been legal. In kind other words, been. we're taking our sponsorship money away, then it would have been perfectly legal. But anyways, yeah. anything IMCA. Okay, so that, so that that's our a, whole thing. That was a fun little intro. You know, we usually... Um, we haven't done this yet, but we normally every week we try to we tell people what, what we're drinking. So, Steve, what are you drinking today? I am having ultra on draft. And Dad? I'm having ultra on draft. Okay, I've had two chiladas, so I'm on to pink lemonade at this point. But we do like to say what we're drinking. No vodka. No, okay. no. You know, one time, Dad, we were on the show, and I brought out vodka, and I was going to pour it into my lemonade, and and Steve just goes and bumps my elbow and dumps the rest of the bottle into my drink. Okay. So I was pretty tipsy by the end of the show, and uh, then I just had right. to go take a nap, and it made the rest of my day not yeah, fun. It's pretty fun. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anyone who has questions, go ahead and drop them in here. Do you have any yet? I think I probably do. I don't are any, know. Are any witty comments? Any witty comments? Um, I'm just going to say hi to the folks. We have Brandon here and Mikey. Uh, Mikey says, Happy Father's Day, Steve. Thank you. And Tony's Happy Father's Day. Scott Compton says, Hi, from Lockdown, California. I've heard you say, Never run a thermostat. Old school, we used to replace the thermostat with a large diameter restrictor plate to maintain some minimal back pressure on the water fluid to prevent cavitation in the water pump. Is that still valid? Uh, it's not if you're running a double pass radiator, no. Uh, double pass radiator cuts flow by about 33%. So you don't, there's no requirement for a washer to slow down the flow. Um, so if it's a double pass, don't run one. If it's a single pass, I've got mixed feelings about it. I've never ran one even in a single pass. But, you know, there's the theory of slow the water down versus speed it up. I mean, Howard Stewart came up with the speed it up theory a long time ago. And... I mean, uh, what's been your experience on that? It's, 
that discussion is still open. It is still way open. It's like one of those things that will probably never be answered. What, what, what works for somebody doesn't work for somebody exactly. else. Exactly. Different pulleys and different water pumps. and yep. all, Everybody had a theory about it. But whatever works and it's working for you, stick with it. Going. <laughs> Go don't, do that thing. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. That's it, right. All right, Christopher says, hi from Monterey, California. He said, JP2 got a win last night in Antioch in nice. the Classic. Nice. Not bad for an old man. Yeah. All right. Meaning Jim Pettit second. Okay. I mean, I figured you would know what yeah. that meant. <laughs> Cameron says, I wish you two a super happy Father's Day. God is great. Kenny says, my crate will be headed your way. Kenny Monahan sending oh, yeah. the crate your way. Cool, man. Um, Scott lost the bat feed for a minute, but I think we're back because I can see myself on the screen here. And uh, Cameron also says, I want to say congratulations to J.C. Wilson for giving his dad awesome Father's Day gift by winning his fourth race out of five with a lot of Crate Insider parts on it. Thank you and happy Father's Day to all of you fathers nice. out there. Nice. 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 All right. Uh, Mark Stalder says, happy Father's Day, Dick Shields from Iowa. Team Tony Stewart 17. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. And, uh, oh, Cameron says, and thank you, Hooker Harness, for keeping him safe and secure. Okay. Words, and you, and you should probably talk. I. You know what? You know what? You know the story you need to tell. Since we're on here, like doing, like just mucking about. You know what you need to tell? Mucking about. Mucking about. The story about you racing Charlotte that time. Oh, with the, with the, uh, with sportsman the sportsman car. car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a Dick Schultz classic right here. I'm telling you. Well, it started out that I raced in Tennessee for, lived over there for a couple of years and met some really great guys over there and they wanted to ask me if I wanted to go do this sportsman race that they were going to have at Charlotte Motor that's Speedway. A, yeah, that's a big one. So anyway, I thought, yeah, I'll talk to you about it. So anyway, I we made, uh, agreed to go out that night and to the guy's place and he was a bachelor, lived in a really nice place, a little lake in front of his house and all that. So anyway, we get out there, and he says, what do you, uh, you want a beer? He said, drink beer? I said, yeah. Uh, says, uh, he says, what do, you, what, do you ha what do you have for beer? And he says, well, what do you want? I says, well, what do you have? And uh, <clears throat> anyway, so I says, well, about anything's right. He opens up his refrigerator. He's got a full display of beer, every kind that you ever thought, a ketchup <laughs> bottle and a mustard bottle. <laughs> That's how it started. So, <clears throat> anyway, I said, yeah, I will, I'd agree to to uh, do the racing. <clears throat> well, I've never been on asphalt before, and I was crew chief for Morgan Shepard on the bush car. So, <clears throat> meantime, they, we got the car and, and uh, brought it over to brought it over there to Charlotte for the practice. You're, you're at Morgan's there, right? I'm at That's Morgan's now. I moved over from Tennessee to back to North Carolina. <clears throat> So anyway, Morgan says, uh, I'll go with you, you know, down to this test deal. So Morgan and I drove down there, and then he looked at this car, and he said, in the meantime, we get there, and these guys got a five-gallon bucket of bolts. They got out of some tractors or something, and it's laying out in the trailer, and they're trying to put seat belts in the car because... At the racetrack. At the racetrack, because the seatbelts are, <laughs> seat are 30-some years old. So Morgan says, do not get in that car. And I says, well, I told him I'd drive the car. <clears throat> And then uh, he just says, I would not get in that car. That car's evil. Don't get in that car. <laughs> I said, well, it can't be that bad. <clears throat> and then... Uh, now I know where I get it from. 
So anyway, I said, I'll just drive it. I told him I'd drive it. I'll get in there and make a couple laps with it, and that'd be it for practice. Morgan says, do not get in that car. I said, I'm going to do it. I told him I'd do it. I'm kind of what, what I said I'm going to do. So I get in the car, and I asked Morgan, I said, before I get in the car, I said, Morgan, what kind of line do I need around here, you know? So he's kind of telling me a line or what I need around, and he says, you know, when, when you get used to it, you'll be able to run the thing wide open. That's just the way it is down here. <clears throat> All right. So I get in the car, and I'm going around the racetrack, <clears throat> and it's, uh, we're going pretty slow, and, and down the back stretch, and, <clears throat> down the back stretch, and, then these other cars started going by me, so I thought, well, I'll give it to give it the throttle. So I went through three and four, and I thought, well, I, <clears throat> after I got out of four, I thought, well, I'll just gas it down the front straightaway, let up for the corner, and I'd be fine. Well, I got there, and the only problem is the gas pedal didn't come off the floor. <laughs> so my first lap on asphalt is wide open through one and two at Charlotte Motor Speedway with this car. It is a little sideways. And, little dirt tracking through there but I come back and I shut it off down the back stretch and they come running up to me in the window and they said what's wrong I said well if you want anything left of your car we got to get the gas pedal off the floor because it's stuck <laughs> so, <clears throat> so needless to say then <clears throat> got in the race and one of the first races I actually finished seventh in the first race I was in so I thought and the car was so loose I'm grabbing the steering wheel with my arms so I don't move the steering wheel and, I'm, and it, it is just, it's floating all over. It's terrible to drive. You're using your shoulders between the seat. I'm, I'm, gripping, I'm gripping the shoulder, I mean, like this. And I finished the race and I ended up seven. Well, then we got in the second race. And uh, so in the meantime, the, the, the second race was at, right before the bush race. So we didn't have any radios, but I grabbed one out of Morgan's bush car. So I've got a radio, and the spotter's got a radio, because we had a radio. So anyway, we're going along there. I'm running in, running in the top 10, and uh, all of a sudden here, the, they had a restart. Well, I think Kirk Schilmerdine come down there, and he had some trouble before. And anyway, he come from the back. He had a hell of a motor. My car wouldn't take off in the start. So he comes by, and... Somehow he got into this number 40 car. Well, the 40 car hits me. I go up into the wall, and, I'm, and I've saved this thing so many times. I've dirt tracked this thing so many times. Oh, well, I can do this. But in the driver's room, they tell you on an asphalt car, if you start spinning, turn left and lock the brakes up. Well, with the dirt track experience, you don't do that. You turn to the right. <laughs> so I turn to the right. This car catches, <clears throat> and it, I'm looking at the wall straight out. I said, oh shit, this is gonna hurt. <clears throat> so it's like slow motion, I see the hood fold up, the windshield come out, <clears throat> and the next thing I know, I'm going across the racetrack, and I'm looking out, and there's cars coming, go, go, they're going below me and above me, and I slide to the bottom of the, <clears throat> bottom of the apron down there, and, uh, <clears throat> The spotter, Jack Reed, says, Hey, are you okay? Say something, say something. Well, I'm pushing my button on the steering wheel, but I got nothing to talk to. My helmet's gone. <laughs> when I hit the wall, my helmet went with the windshield. <laughs> so I, he says, Say something. And I mean, I've got the wind knocked out of me like you wouldn't believe. <clears throat> so I reel up grab a hold of the cord because I still got my earplug earbugs in 
I grab a hold of the cord, pull it, and, and uh, <clears throat> he says, well, say something, are you okay? And I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, <clears throat> they're down in the pits, and the guys are down there, and, and uh, Jim, I can't remember his first name, was live on MRN radio. So he goes down to the pits, and he says, what's your driver saying? He says, I don't know. He says, are you the crew chief? And he said, no, I, he is over there. Nobody wanted to talk on the, on the radio. Oh. So then he went over to this other guy, and he says, are you the crew chief? No, he is over there. <laughs> so, so he goes over there, and he says, are you the crew chief? No, but I could be. This guy named Perky. So he says, uh, what's your driver saying? He says, oh, he isn't, is he okay? He's not saying anything. Well, don't you guys have a radio down here? And he said, no, the spotter's got one and the driver's got one. Well, what were you going to do, he said, if you had a flat tire? I guess when he comes in, we go to the window and say, what do you want? <laughs> so Jim just kind of shook his head and walked away from him. <laughs> so that was my asphalt experience. <laughs> In the great, did Morgan say I told you so after the fact? No, he didn't say anything. But then, <laughs> right. the end result is, I, I mean, I flattened this car so bad in the front, and I, <coughs> and I thought, you know, man, I wrecked the car, so I took it over to Bobby Weldon, <clears throat> and it fixed the snout on it for him. And so anyway, the car stayed at my garage forever, and I didn't have time to do crew chiefing and drive this car. Plus, it was hot in there and smelled. I, I it just wasn't me. I just didn't <laughs> like it. So anyway, I called David Smith. I said, David, would you like to drive an asphalt car? <laughs> oh, we're talking about Hollywood, David Smith. We're talking about Hollywood. South Carolina. I just saw Hollywood last night, actually, <laughs> at Harris. So Hollywood got in the car, and he got to be friends with both and, and the car. And I I set the car at my garage, and and it was one of those funny things. I had one turn in the, I just found some old springs, and I put one turn in the left front. The right front was all the way up. And those guys taped the windows up in the back where the set screws were for the adjusting the weight. And that's the way every time it come back. And I give them my hauler, so they went to the races. David finished in the top five for seven races. Damn. And won one. And the car, the, the weight jacks and the tape never came off the car. Wow. It was the same for, <laughs> I mean, they went to Charlotte, they went to Pocono. And Damn. They, they did a hell of a job. And, you know, and and then they at the end of, end result was they NASCAR lost her sponsorship for the Sportsman Series, so they said, well, David, you really won the championship, but we don't have a trophy to give you or nothing. So if anybody asks, you won the championship. So oh, shit. That's cool. Anyway, David's been a friend of mine forever. Right. <laughs> so it was a good deal for him, and it was one of those deals. This car just kept coming back to my garage all the time, every week, and it, it was just like a permanent thing. And then finally, when it quit and they, they end up selling the car. Well, it's a good thing the hood wasn't buckled in the windshield out of it with a helmet across the wall. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so, that was a heck of an experience, I tell you, but something else. And in the meantime, I think they, about five or six or seven guys got killed in that series, so oh, yeah. maybe that I can consider pretty... myself lucky to get out of it. You, uh, yeah, you made it out alive. Really? Like yeah, something to be thing. proud of. Well, it's one of those things. I mean, I did not belong in an asphalt car at a mile and a half racetrack from dirt track to... At 170 uh, miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it was... I think the car, they run about 
probably let down the back straight away, but it was it was boring to me. It was like you could have a coffee and donut going down the straightaway. And, yeah. You know, you look at everything and you put the gauges and look at the mirror and you hit the, the corner. The corners were pretty neat, but the straightaways were, you know. Now I'm sure at 180, 190 miles an hour, it'll get your attention. Yeah. You know, but it was, to me, it was boring back then. And I liked the dirt stuff and I liked the motors and the dirt yep. stuff and all that. So it was just one of those things was just a, a lot better for me, yep. you know. <clears throat> well, and, you know, I think one of my favorites or just little asides it's not a full story but talking about morgan you know of course you've been friends with morgan shepherd for many many years at this point and i thought it was interesting when you came back to to racing most recently and and i remember you saying like what that he, you know he's seen the whole evolution of these cars being very difficult to drive to what did he say in the last time he was in the next community car well it was the last time but yeah he's a fan anyway you can drive these things you know <laughs> yeah. just, that's just where he's at now. I mean, just they got him stuck to the ground so good that uh, you know, it just they you don't see the guys spinning out anymore like they used to. I mean, it's, that's very rare. I mean, they're either going to have a tire problem or something because a mechanical issue because they don't do not spin out anymore. I mean, they're stuck to the ground so hard that uh, you can't. It's hard to make a mistake, you know. But by by the same token. It's one of those deals. You're probably gripping the steering wheel, so you don't move it. It's right. like a go kart. I mean, you do not take any time off with the things with with the way they're driving. Well, it's so, kind of kind of similar with dirt late models nowadays. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's rare to see anybody really spin out in those. I mean, my kid wrecked last night because he broke a damn left rear axle and turned straight in, into the fence oh. coming off of turn four. Mm. Of course, that's a front clip, but that's a whole other story. Mm. Ouch. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's good to get practice all the way through your racing program, you know, on and oh, off yeah. the track. But I mean, the, they're so glued to the ground. Yeah. Because you asked me earlier today, it's like, oh, what's the difference between you when you and Dad were racing and you know now? And I'm like, uh, we had to drive the race cars. Well, there the was, question. <laughs> well, the question that I had for him was that it, it happened to be Dad. I've done this. Uh, well, Steve has old videotapes of him racing, and that's why I sent you a message asking yeah. if you had any videotapes of you racing. Because what uh, we're doing is I've got it so I can put a tape into a VCR and then digitize it onto a computer, and then we started a YouTube channel. Yeah, so okay. it happened to be the other day that it was his very first opening race ever. It was the first race I ever ran. I had I didn't yeah. even know I had that tape. I just brought her a bunch of tapes, and she... Mm. That one just popped up the other day. It was yeah first so, time I ever raced. So we're just talking about like, hey, do you think it's a lot harder? You know, was it a lot easier to get started back then? And you know, I was just asking like, how long he raced until he won his first race, and it wasn't his, in his first season. But like with all the technology and stuff, is it harder to get up to speed today to be able to get to that point to win your first race compared to what it was before? And, and that was kind of my question. Yeah. Well, now it's kind of how big a checkbook do you have to start with? That's exactly that's a big thing, you know. And it really is, and you know, and then plus, you know, back in the day when I was racing, you didn't get any test time. You went to the racetrack, you got three hot laps in a greasy racetrack, you drew yep. for a heat race, <clears throat> and then most of the time where I was from in, in the Midwest, they inverted the cars. Um, Same here. So you, <laughs> you either started 12th, or I mean, if you're a high point guy, you either started 12th or 14th, and you had to get your business done in 25 laps. Yep. And you know, and, and back in, the, in Iowa at the time in the 70s, that was the stiffest competition in the country. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I mean, there was, I mean, Sanger, Hanson, <clears throat> Acres. I mean, they all won World 100. I mean, they yep. were, 
it was tough business, you know. I mean, just a host of drivers that were really good. So <clears throat> that's just the way it was back then. And I mean, you could build a car and basically get that, that get a car built. You could race the car all year. You could sell the car for if your car was pretty successful. You could you could sell your car for twelve, fourteen thousand dollars back then, and it was really good. You know, a good deal. And a lot of guys back then brought a big lot, four fifty fours and four twenty sevens, and um, you'd get forty races of forty nights of racing out of those things. You'd rebuild them, get another forty nights. If nothing happened, you know. So and they were powerful, you know. They were, that's a powerful car. I mean, you take, you take a, a four sixty eight big block, which you're still running in the modifieds up. You know, the modifieds up in the northeast. Only small block versions now. I guess. Oh no, yeah, 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 big block modifieds. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, big block mods. They are. Yeah, that's what you guys had. Yeah. I mean, you go to the Chevrolet place, and except all aluminum now up there, I guess. No, I think they're. Are they still steel block? They're. I think they're still steel block. I think they have aluminum heads on them. Interesting. They're still, and that's basically what we run back in the seventies and and early eighties. You know. Yeah. And then then some of us got into the small block stuff. And would you have like four thousand pound springs in the front? Hold that thing up. No, I, <laughs> no, it was really funny. <clears throat> I look back at it now. We built those cars from, from Sanger, and and <clears throat> he used a Camaro Snout car. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so Sanger and I would go. We went to the junkyard, and we we tore one day. We took thirty cars apart. Thirty um, Impalas, Impalas, and Pontiacs with the big the big cars with the suspension. That's what he used for suspension. Well, they had the little rubber bumpers on the A-frames. So <clears throat> back then we were running six and seven hundred pound springs, but Sanger wanted those rubber bumpers. You were using it. bump stops. Yeah, he, <laughs> he won the World 100 basically in 1974 with a bump stop. And then <clears throat> Kurt Hansen come along, and Kurt was you know so good back then, <clears throat> and he got into Sanger car, and and uh, you know. They won, they won a lot of, I think the, between Sanger, Hansen, and, and uh, Akers that year, I think they won close to 60 races between the three cars. Holy crap. And I mean, they were, you know, maintained them all, and and uh, they were really good. But I think, looking back, at, they all had bump stops. And yeah, cars. all bump stops. You know, we cut, <laughs> we cut the right one down just a little bit. Yep. The, left, the left one stayed stock. Yep. And it was, and you know, when you put a softer spring, and you know, back then you run the Monroe shocks. So oh yeah, that's what we had. had a 75, 76, yeah. or a 77. Yep. And uh, you know, they won the big races with those with those cars. They wow. run bump stops. Wow. And then when Sanger, after I quit Sanger, he went to the tube frame cars, and they weren't so successful. So, and uh, <clears throat> but that was a whole nother story there, because then I started building my own cars. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Sanger and I didn't see eye to eye when I started racing, so that's just kind of what happened. Yeah, that happens in racing, too. Yeah. Well, especially when I went to the racetrack that night. When, on a Wednesday night, we went to Oskaloosa. It was a Wednesday night, and it was heavy, heavy racetrack, big half mile. And I had the big guy helping me. He was 450-pound, big Joe. <laughs> and Joe. I had the little guy. Uh, I don't want to say really. He was just a little guy, about four feet tall. <laughs> but had a mouth that was seven feet tall. <laughs> so we went to the race. I mean, I had a, worked at Sanger, so what happened is <clears throat> I had a, they had to come after work and get their cars. I had to maintain them, load their cars up, have everybody's car loaded up, and send them off to the racetrack. 
I had to run home and get my car and gather everything up and go and I was always late. So anyway, then <clears throat> that night it was Sanger, Hanson and Akers at the racetrack and I show up with a 355 small block and I turned the dog snot out of it <laughs> and beat the big blocks that night. Oh, they all had big blocks. <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, everybody was kind of really happy about that I had won the race. And, but Sanger was really pouting about everything. He was really mad. <laughs> so then the, the little guy comes along and says, What's wrong? Eddie can't keep up with the help. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Oh, so that. that <laughs> oh, oh, man. That threw a stick in the spokes that night. <laughs> <laughs> so. <clears throat> So anyway, that was one of those deals. <laughs> oh, you know, it's kind of like a sponsorship deal. Oh, yeah. You can break a sponsorship deal. It's yeah, kind of like a, exactly. a job deal for me. <laughs> yeah. Sam. I'm going to get a freshen up. Okay, and then I got some questions for you. All right, cool. Yeah, so we'll... Yeah, freshen up, then questions. Fresh, yes, yes. But I see Ted's here. I talked to Ted this week. Of course, a good friend of Vicki E. Meg. And, um, and you've got a good little comment here. I'm going to wait till Steve gets back. And okay. Oh, there he is. So, um, but Mikey, I'm gonna answer your question. So he says, uh, so when I originally bought my 602, it was when I was still a newbie and bought from Speedway Motors. It's dyno tested. Should I be worried? Is it Steve quality? Do you trust their dyno testers over there? So, um, right. this is gonna be about Speedway. I'm not gonna say anything bad about anybody else. So, uh, with with Speedway, it's just gonna be uh -huh. a dynoed. 602 I mean which means it's gonna probably have a break-in dyno on it and there's nothing wrong with that but uh, what Steve does is to blueprint them and and to say something is, is with Speedway it wouldn't be blueprinted I mean, well I wouldn't think it would, I would assume not no. I would assume it would not be so it would just be dynoed but Ted he's a good friend of Vicky he makes uh -huh. they've been friends forever he says how about this rule 30 events and your top 12 finishes are all that counts for the point championship then complain because you are not getting enough cars each night. What are your thoughts? Okay, I, I don't know. I don't understand the question. Well, hey, I, I think the question is: Hey, if there's 30 events and all you're gonna count is their top 12, their top 12 finishes, mm -hmm. and then they then the series is complaining because they don't have a good enough car count. Well, why would you have a car count? Well, you wouldn't have a car count if you're doing that. Yeah. So that makes no sense. Yeah. So yeah, he's. I think Ted's just kind of weighing in on the stupid rules. Oh, yeah, that would gotcha. be a stupid yeah. one. That would be a stupid rule. Um, oh, Cameron, listening to your story, Dad says, "Thank God for the seatbelts." <laughs> awesome story on that. And he also says, "Asphalt is to get to the track." Those well, were thirty-year-old seatbelts, too, by the way. So <laughs> somebody did a great stitching job on them things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now your mom. It's so fun because your mom was here for Mother's, Mother's Day. Day yep. And so your mom just chimed in and said, Happy Father's Day. So to, to both of you guys. So good, good deal. And uh, Tori says, um, Happy Father's Day, y'all. And also, ha hey, boo-boo. Because, -boo. <laughs> of course, that was boo-boo making a special appearance. Um, Cameron's loving the stories. Awesome stories. is so cool. He said, I think the show should be two hours. <laughs> well, don't really know what this does for racers, fans, and all the above. So thank you. Yeah, that's just yeah. fun. Something and, to do. And, uh, oh, camera says in in racing it's called the steve stamp <laughs> steve stamp of approval um oh sean says any news on the different plugs for e85 
Yes, you gave that number to me. Wasn't it the um, Autolite 110s? No, no, no. Uh, the plug I was thinking about, actually, I need to reevaluate this because the plug I was thinking of, it's a resistor plug because we had to run it with the ignition box we were using. So I'll, I'll have something here coming up soon. Okay, gotcha. Because we're using that, well, you're trying out that E7 box. Yeah, it's an E7 box that requires a resistor plug. Oh. Where, like, okay. an MSD or something like that, you don't want a resistor plug. Gotcha. So, it, I got to do a little bit of monkeying around to come up with that. Yeah, well, and that's all we have for questions. But I don't I don't want to, like, throw something out there and have it be wrong for somebody else. No, we don't want anything bad to, to no. happen there. But I think we're probably going to, like, uh, sound off early. Do you have anything else? I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go to my brother's house and shoot guns and drink beer and have a good time. Gotcha. And then my daddy's got some horses to feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got hungry horses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't be... Yeah, and horses, they're a little bit finicky. You gotta, and a hungry hippo dog. So you, yeah, we've got... <laughs> so, you, so you've moved on from horsepower in a car to, like, literal horsepower. <laughs> yeah, it's like I got this... Uh, Fairling with a 427 and 425 horsepower. So beautiful freaking car. Sunday mornings, if it's like I'm gonna ride the horse, which is one horsepower, and then in the afternoon I get into a 425. I don't know. They're both a they're both a trip sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I'm so glad to have happy Father's Day, Dad. I love well, you, thank you and thank you for well being fr- on the show. friend Dick on on Facebook and look at some of his cars. He's got some. He's got his Fairlane on there and stuff. Yeah, I think Just so. Amazing. Yeah, he's not super, super Facebook. He's not a, he's not a Facebooky guy. He's not on there like all the time. Yeah. But, you know. But, but yeah. You want to see some badass Ford stuff? Look at what he's got. Well, he I, I, have, I have two Chevrolets on now, too. So. Well, you do. Yeah. yeah, you got that, what, a 56, right? 55. 55. Yeah, that, that thing's awesome. 71 yeah. Chevy Big Block pickup. Well, yeah. Anyway. And your regular pickup is a... Well, I got two Chevrolet pickups that I drive all the time. But that Fairlane's like... It's beautiful. I'm not a Ford guy, but I would own that Ford. It is a nice car. I like like the Mustangs. I like the Mustangs. They're they're pretty. So, well, good deal. Everybody is... uh, Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being part of the show. And uh, anybody who wants to also check out some of our past episodes, you can see them on YouTube. You can see them on our Facebook page. They're always hard to find on Facebook. But also this episode, um, we do this on the Racing Insiders podcast. So if you just want to listen in, and you can also see our, hear our past episodes. I'll also be doing some cool stuff with driver interviews. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Compiling that together and putting those into the podcast. And it's not all crank guys either. Of, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, 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 I'm, got, I'm opening it up yeah. now. So I'm interviewing whoever I want to interview. And um, especially on the Racing Insiders podcast, we're actually going to do some software changes on that. So there might be some little hiccups coming up here, but it will improve the show yeah. for the better later on. So, so anyway, um, thank you all for being here. Thank you for being part of Crate Insider. And I'll be back live on Tuesday for Top 5 Tuesday. Happy Father's Day to all you good dads and the ones that pay child support. So. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's those. Yeah, there's those. So. All right. We'll see you guys in next week. Later. Thank you for listening to the Racing Insiders Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review in iTunes. To see the show notes, visit our website at racinginsiderspodcast.com.